0: Pastor Xavier Rees with important
1: simple truths for the holiday season. I love Thanksgiving, November December, greatest months of the year. Cause you to reflect to look upon God's goodness and all that he's done in your life and Lord now what do you have for me next year and what's going to change and Lord, speak to my heart. It's a great review. great time. Consider it a privilege to just worship the Lord to lift your hands and thank him for who He is and what He's done for you.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Anyone who's hosted a Thanksgiving meal for loved ones knows full well the amount of preparation involved, especially when expecting the arrival of the entire extended family. But for the ancient Hebrews in pilgrimage to Jerusalem, it was the preparing of their hearts that was of concern before arriving to the temple for the annual offering of Thanksgiving. And with that in mind, let's listen as Pastor Xavier turns to the very psalm of Thanksgiving in order to
1: lead us to the heart of
0: Thanksgiving.
1: Thanksgiving, you know the whole history behind it with the pilgrims and Plymouth Rock, the Mayflower Compact, great history that God has given to us as Americans, people who came struggling to exercise their spiritual liberty. And uh, everything that this nation stands for, whether it be in national documents, whether it be in national monuments, all of it is based on that. And um, yet Thanksgiving goes way back further than just here in America. Uh, We look at it from a different perspective. We're looking at it from a spiritual perspective, recognizing how much we know about God by his grace through his scripture, that we can give God such great praise and thanksgiving and such an utter utter perfect way apart from what we ever could in the world because we have the knowledge of jesus christ we understand and we believe all that he says about himself and the world and when you try to understand all that it's just overwhelming that that you and i would be so privileged to know the god of the universe and to know that what he has revealed is utter truth and there's no fallacy in it and that as the world goes and 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 walks down a different path that you are able to walk with God hand in hand knowing that he is true and he's reliable regardless of what else happens in life. And that is a true miracle because it doesn't come by human intellect but by the grace of God as the Spirit of God dwells in you. And so Psalm 100 here, the topic of thanksgiving is found throughout the scriptures as well as many psalms but Psalm 100 is the only one that is said to be a psalm of thanksgiving. And this particular psalm reminds each believer of the need to express his gratitude to God for being our creator and all his goodness towards us. If you stop and look at your own life, take stock of it. And if you would just assess if God only blessed you when you were good, how much would you have been blessed? It says God is good. We're good for nothing. We get it backwards sometimes. And just the nature of God and God who he is and and how patient he is with us. It's amazing. Now the psalm is seen as a doxology from a group of psalms and describes the people in pilgrimage as uh, they approach the temple and worship in a procession to see Yahweh their king. This is Psalm 95 to 99. So many times they would make pilgrimage to Jerusalem, they would go in groups and they would be singing along and making these progressive songs as they approached Jerusalem. Uh, Psalm 95 declares the worship of God by the obedience, and it was sung on the Sabbath morning prayer. Psalm 76 is a praise of the Lord to all the earth, by all the nations of the earth, for he is coming to judge the earth. This is what they're singing as they're going along in pilgrimage. Psalm 97 praises God for a sovereign judge of the earth. Psalm 98 praises God for a salvation for all with song and an instruments, for he is coming to judge the earth, much like Psalm 96. There was this understanding with the people of God that even though God was reigning over them and he was moving and directing them through life, he was coming to judge the earth. The judgment of God was proclaimed back in Genesis. Remember the book of Jude. Okay. Enoch prophesied the seventh from Adam. And he prophesied the second coming, not the first coming. He did that in Genesis. Okay. It's recorded in the one little book right before the book of Revelation. And yet one of the things that the world mocks is that God's going to come and judge the world. And they, say, oh, how could you Christians? You're morbid. All judgment, you know, let's just love one another. What kind of love are you talking about? God's love is perfect. But his love is perfect in holiness. And so if we're going to love one another. It must be by the direction of the scriptures, not by the standards of the world. Psalm 98 it begins and ends with uh, like Psalm 96. So there are similarities as as they're walking along. And then in Psalm 99 praises um, God for His holiness and judgment and forgiveness as He reigns. And so now we come to 100 here. The psalm provides us with the proper expression for our thanksgiving when we come before God. Let me read here, Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Psalm 100 here provides that proper expression of thanksgiving as we come before God. It's talking about the Old Testament and it's characterized by three things. First, we have the way we are to come to God. The personal command in verse one and two. Secondly, we have the truth we're to know about God, the personal perspective about God in verse 3. And then thirdly, in verse 4 and 5, the posture we are to have towards God, the personal practice. So it begins by the way we are to come, the personal command here, verse 1 and 2. Notice the believer is to make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands, the joyful shout here is to be like a blowing of a trumpet, the shout of victory. A great celebration. The Jewish people, the believer he is one address but not him alone. He alone as a people of God understands God, has a relationship with God at this point. And they are the only ones that can have true joy in the Lord in the presence as they're marching towards Jerusalem. They're going to meet with the Lord. They're going to go to the temple. The temple was the place, as you know, Solomon's temple where God would meet them. They would be there uh, at the feast days, you know, and they have to go three times a year, every male over the age of 20, and they would have to make those pilgrimages. Joy was evident of God in their midst, ruling over them, reigning over them, day and night, looking for the day when he would reign in the kingdom age, just as you and I, we Rejoice in that God rules over our life now, and we're looking forward to the time when we reign with Him. We know that this is just a small time, and uh, when you're younger, it seems a little longer, but as you keep on moving up the ladder, it gets a little shorter. But just stop and think if this was all we had in life, isn't that a sad case to be born into this world? It's just to grow up and you know, play some sports and buy some realty, get a car, and put some mucks away, and then you die? Man. God has so much more for us. Joy was far superior to happiness. Happiness depends on what you have outside of you. And as as, as soon as that's gone, then all of a sudden you're not happy. But the joy is what's within you. It comes from God, your relationship. We see the history of God's people, whether it be Old Testament, New Testament, our own history from World War II on to our present day, people who have suffered tremendously, and yet, Their joy, the Lord, has been in their heart, even though all was lost, all was taken away. And it's that personal relationship, that's what makes us weird and different from everybody else. Because we don't put all our eggs in this basket here in the world. Nothing wrong with the eggs, nothing wrong with the basket. We live in the world, not of the world, but we're not living for the eggs in the baskets. You understand? And there's a big difference. Now notice the audience is all-inclusive, all you lands. Notice the entire earth, regardless of their geographical location, was to express and um, consequently hear that joyful shout. We understand that the conversion of the Gentiles included in God's plan back in Genesis twelve three, And you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So God understood that in the Old Testament he's dealing with the Jew, but there was coming a time when he would deal with the Gentile, and Jew and Gentile would be one in Christ Jesus The nation of Israel was to be centrifugal. The nations were to come in to the nation. So they were to proselyte. But the church is centrifugal. We go out to the nations. God wanted all the Gentiles of the land, after the judgment, to come into Israel to become proselytes and worshippers of Yahweh. There was always room for that. We have many Gentiles, Ruth, others. The church goes out to the nations, The church is to be centripetal, and so the Great Commission that's given to us, four Great Commissions, really five, the Gospels and one in the Book of Acts. Now, this is the privilege we have, to be able to share the joy of God with others, Uh, not a religious experience, not based on what we have or anything else, but on who He is and what He's done for us and what He has done to transform our lives. People can deny what you tell them about your life, but they can't deny what they see They may not believe that they need to be born again. They may not believe that they need it, but they cannot deny what they see in your life has changed. And the consistency of that change, they can't deny it. Now notice in verse 2, the believers are to serve the Lord Yahweh with gladness. The implication is that it was their privilege to serve the Lord Yahweh. Their service was in response to who he was, Lord, all capital letters, their covenant God. Yahweh. What a privilege that God has sought them out. He said, I didn't seek you because you were more in number. I didn't seek you because you were more powerful, more intelligent. I sought you because I loved you. That's it. It's just God's sovereignty. Their service being motivated by love for God in response to his love for them. God is always the initiator. We respond. But he doesn't force people to respond. You know, as when you started, um, got your eye on your wife for the first time, your husband... You know, you made an initiation, and there was a response. But you didn't force that person to respond. If they didn't want to respond, they shined you on. They were polite, but they didn't want to do with you, right? You can't force somebody. Well, well, God's a perfect gentleman. He initiates. He knocks on the door of your heart, and if you will open that up, he'll come in. And he saves people. The word, Lord, all capital letters, is called the tetagrammaton the four letters YHVH or YHWH we're not sure which one it is because all the vowels were left off by these scribes because they thought that the, the name of God was too holy to mention and therefore they would bow their, their head and when they came to the name they would change their clothes they would bathe they would get a different pen so they didn't know how it was pronounced because it was lost but God never intended that that's just men who, who make dumb rules God wanted them to remember his name <laughs> Yahweh, I am that I am. That's the root, the becoming one back in Exodus as he told Moses. I'm the becoming one. I am that I am. I'll be anything you allow me to be, but I won't be more than you let me be. The psalmist says that they limited the Lord in the wilderness. God never limits what he can do for us. It's you and I. Notice there in two still, the believer here to come before him, his presence, with singing, he says. Singing was and is a unique mark of of the Jewish individual and the Christian. We are about the only ones that really have something to sing about. We get our sins forgiven. We get a clean slate. We are given the spirit of God to be able to live above our sin nature. We are given eternal life. We are given great and precious promises. We have access to heaven anytime we need to. We can go to the Word of God and have wisdom to live out our marriages, to live out our relationships, to seek the Lord when we're in trouble. Such privilege we have. We sing about the great work of God that He has done in our lives, the sufficiency of His person, the perfection of His name, the perfection of His ways. There's no one like Him. No one can thwart Him, no one can object to Him, but yet He honors the free will of man. Whoa! But He's a perfect gentleman. Here's a prescription for worship. Enter the place of worship a little before the service begins. Enter expectantly. God has promised to meet you there. Whisper a prayer. Then the first hymn is announced. Open your hymnal that, to the place. If you cannot sing, follow the words. by your head and close your eyes during the prayer. As you give prayer that God will accept that gift, During the special music, be attentive and prayerful. When the minister preaches, pray for him and listen attentively. Be silent, expect to sing and to say amen. Now, we may not have hymnals like people used to have to. But when you come in here and you worship, when the music was going on, are you thinking, what am I going to do when I get out of here? Or do you consider it a, a privilege to just worship the Lord, to lift your hands and thank him for who he is and what he's done for you? How he got you through the day. Be able to reflect the whole year. I love thanksgiving. November, December, greatest months of the year. Caused you to reflect, to look upon God's goodness and, and all that he's done in your life. And Lord, now what do you have for me next year? What's going to change? And Lord, let me speak to my heart. It's a great review. Great time. The singing of the believer is evident of his or her living fellowship with Jesus Christ. Be it while you're at home singing, be it driving down the street, be it if you're at work, be it when you're here in the church worship. Most of us can't sing, we just make joyful noise, but it's okay. (laughs) Be it after the study, after God ministers to your heart and you've come with an open heart and you haven't heard a man, but you've allowed God to speak to you. And you're just so filled and you're just so choked up about what He's told you and so stoked that you're just worshiping Him all the way out to your car and you're thanking Him because now you're responding to what God has taught you through the Word. Wow. Ephesians five nineteen through 20 says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, singing, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in every which way. The very evidence of our presence in the congregation implies implicitly our desire and purpose to come to serve with gladness. And when we come here, we come not for ourselves. We come here for others. We come here expectantly. Lord, what would you have me to do? Saying, Lord, use me if there's someone there that I'm to minister to, someone I'm to pray for, and not simply come to say, hey, what do you have for me? (laughs) Expecting me each of us being the members of the body of Christ, to complement one another, to serve one another, different gifts, different callings, yet recognizing that I'm here for you and not for me. Each understanding we have at least one gift and we're eager to exercise that gift to the best of our ability in obedience to God that the body may be built up. That's the mind of Christ. That's the church of Christ. That's the people of God. The songs I sing to Jesus are before his presence as an affection of my love for him. That's all. Due to his grace for saving me. Due to his worthiness to be worshiped for who he is. The personal command describes the way we are to come to God in joyful singing. (laughs) Notice, secondly, in verse 3, the truth we are to know about God, this is the personal perspective. The believer was to know that the Lord Yahweh, he was God. The Jew had the absolute understanding that their covenant God, Yahweh, was a creator. The word God, as you know, is Elohim. It's used of the creator throughout the book of Genesis, the opening chapter. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. The word Elohim there is capitalized because he is the true and only living God. And it's a plural in the very first verse of Genesis, the very first book, what a great place to put it. He put the Trinity. In verse 26 of chapter 1, it says, let us make man in our image. Who is our? It's a plural pronoun. Who's he talking to? The horny toes of lizards? In our image, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. What a great place to put the Trinity, right in the first verse. The Jew had the absolute understanding that God was perfect as the creator. All powerful, omnipotent, all present, omnipresent, all knowing, omniscient, by the revelation of God. You don't conclude this because you're so smart. You don't conclude this because you go off to the mountain for 30 days and fast and, and come back with this revelation. You understand this because you have God's revelation about Himself and God can't lie. When He said God spoke things into existence, He's not embellishing. He's telling you exactly what he did. He doesn't try to persuade you. He doesn't try to explain it, break it down scientifically. He says, I created it. Do you believe it? If you don't, it's your loss, not mine. He doesn't seek to persuade or or, or to explain. He just makes the proclamation. And then I have to make a decision. Is that true or is it not? The Jew agreed with the revelation of God. That God made him in His image and his likeness, in chapter one, verse 26. That means a man can think. Man can reason. man has a free will. Man can love. Man can respond to God. God is spirit. He has no physical being, but He gave us a body to express ourselves, but the real us is spirit. When I die, this thing goes to the ground. My spirit goes to the Lord, <laughs> the real me. It's just a shell the real me is inside the Jews alone were God's instrument that could understand against all the teachings that were against God's revelation so when they confronted people they say no 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 this is this way and so do you and so do I and people have the sense how can you be so arrogant I'm not arrogant I'm telling you the truth I know God created the earth <laughs> and they think you have just you're crazy or you're arrogant well The Bible says that. (laughs) To me, it's no argument because I'm born again. But to the unbeliever, it's so far-fetched because they've been so corrupted, so contaminated by the philosophies and teachings of man that they have explained God away. And rather than using that intellect that God has given to man to seek God, they have used that intellect to deny God. God alone is the one who can promise. The people of God are the only ones can believe those promises. They were the people of God. Exodus 19:5, peculiar people, his His treasure. The Jew alone admitted his own limitations and finiteness uh, openly. He was but dust. God declared it often. He made him of the dust in Genesis 2. So he doesn't trust in himself, he doesn't glory in himself, but he looks to the Creator knowing that his life's but a vapor, even as James tells us. He knows his days are numbered. Psalm 90, verse 12, Hebrews nine twenty-seven. 27, it's appointed unto man to die once, after that the judgment. And life teaches us the brevity of life. And life teaches us the value of life. And what a privilege for you who are young that you are walking with God. You're not going to waste your life. You know how many young people waste their life whether it be in parting or whether it be in seeking their own will and ideal of profession, whatever it is, and then what happens at the end of life? There's life after that. If you're not living for Jesus, you're wasting your life. But if you're a young person, you're living for the Lord, whatever you do in life, you do it for the glory of God, and you're asking His direction, His will, and you're going to make your life count. Whether you be a doctor, an engineer, or or you work for Edison or whatever, it doesn't matter. But you're a Christian. You're his instrument. Your life is invested in him and for his kingdom, not yourself. You are your worst investment. Now, if a motivational speaker heard me say that, he'd think I'm crazy. He'd never hire me to go speak for him, because the world wants to make you think you're so hot, and you're the greatest thing since ice cream. No. It's just the opposite. The believer knows he's a sinner. He's saved by grace. And now God has given him a nature that now he's to honor God with and to be who he really is, a child of God, to be an instrument of God. Your lives invest in the kingdom, not in yourself. Now you can make a difference in the world. Being exactly what God has called you to be as you walk with God.
0: Pastor Xavier Rees, pausing in a special message for Thanksgiving, drawing important simple truths of praise and thanks from Psalm 100. And as always, you can hear this message again if you like online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And Pastor Xavier will be continuing this study next time right here as well. But if you won't be able to join us, you can pick up a copy of this message on CD for just $4 the title to ask for is simply A Heart of Thanksgiving. And this is a convenient way to share this ministry with your friends and loved ones as well. So once again, the title to ask for is A Heart of Thanksgiving. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800 926 Fourteen eighty-five. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address, once again, is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. We use this information to check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Next time, more on the simple truths of being thankful to a faithful God. Hope you'll join Pastor Xavier Reese for the fitting conclusion of our special Thanksgiving message right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California